listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group and share your own thoughts and reactions to today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 257, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 21, paragraphs 657 to 663. 657. From the house of Pilate, the sorrowful and stricken mother followed with the multitudes on the way of her divine son, accompanied by St. John and the pious women. As the surging crowds hindered her from getting very near to the Lord, she asked the Eternal Father to be permitted to stand at the foot of the cross of her blessed son and see him die with her own eyes. With the divine consent, she ordered her holy angels to manage things in such a way as to make it possible for her to execute her wishes. The holy angels obeyed her with great reverence, and they speedily led the queen through some by-street in order that she might meet her son. Thus it came that both of them met face to face in sweetest recognition of each other and in mutual renewal of each other's interior sorrows. Yet they did not speak to one another, nor would the fierce cruelty of the executioners have permitted such an intercourse. But the most prudent mother adored her divine son and true God, laden with the cross, and interiorly besought him, that since she could not relieve him of the weight of the cross, and since she was not permitted to command her holy angels to lighten it, he would inspire these ministers of cruelty to procure someone for his assistance. This prayer was heard by the Lord Christ. So it happened that Simon of Cyrene was afterwards impressed to carry the cross with the Lord. The Pharisees and the executioners were moved to this measure, some of them out of natural compassion, others for fear lest Christ, the author of life, should lose his life by exhaustion before it could be taken from him on the cross. 6.58 Beyond all human thought and estimation was the sorrow of the most sincere dove and virgin mother, while she thus witnessed with her very eyes her son carrying the cross to Mount Calvary, for she alone could fittingly know and love him according to his true worth. It would have been impossible for her to live through this ordeal if the divine power had not strengthened her and preserved her life. With bitterest sorrow she addressed the Lord and spoke to him in her heart, My son and eternal God, light of my eyes and life of my soul, receive, O Lord, the sacrifice of my not being able to relieve thee of the burden of the cross, and carry it myself, who am a daughter of Adam. For it is I who should die upon it in love of thee. As thou now wishest, 
to die in most ardent love of the human race. O most loving mediator between guilt and justice, how dost thou cherish mercy in the mildest of so great injuries and such heinous offenses? O charity without measure or bounds without permits, such torments and affronts in order to afford it a wider scope for its ardor and efficacy. O infinite and sweetest love, would that the hearts and the wills of men were all mine, so that they could give no such thankless return for all that thou endurest. O who will speak to the hearts of the mortals to teach them what they owe to thee, since thou hast paid so dearly for their salvation from ruin? Other most prudent and exalted sentiments besides these were conceived by the great lady, so that I cannot express them by these words of mine. 659. As the evangelist tells us, there were other women among the crowds who followed the Savior in bitter tears and lamentations. Luke 23.27 The sweetest Jesus, turning toward them, addressed them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not over me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the day shall come wherein they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that have not borne and the paps that have not given suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall upon us, and to the hills cover us. For if in the green wood they do these things, what shall be done in the dry? By these mysterious words the Lord acknowledged the tears, and on account of his passion, and to a certain extent by showing his appreciation of them, he approved of them. In these women he wished to teach us for what purpose our tears should be shed, so that they may attain their end. These compassionate disciples of the Lord were at that time ignorant of the true reason for their tears, since they wept over his sufferings and injuries, and not over the cause of these sufferings. And therefore they merited to be instructed and admonished of the truth. It was as if the Savior had said to them, Weep over your sins and over the sins of your children, and attribute what I suffer to those sins. I suffer not for my sins, for I am guilty of none, and it is not even possible that I be guilty of any. If I approve of your compassion for me as good and just, much more do I desire you to weep over your sins, for which I suffer, and by this suffer for which I suffer, and by this manner of weeping, you shall acquire for yourselves and your children the price of my blood, and of my redemption, ignored by this blind people. For there shall come days, namely the days of universal judgment and chastisement, in which those shall be held fortunate, who have not begotten children, and the foreknown shall call upon the mountains and the hills to shield them against my wrath. For if their sins, now only assumed by me, have such effects on me, who am innocent, what horrible punishments will they draw upon those who are so barren and without any fruits of grace and merits? 660. As a reward for their tears and their compassion, these women were enlightened, so as to understand this doctrine. In fulfillment of the prayerful wish of the Blessed Mother, the Pharisees and ministers were inspired with the resolve to engage some man to help Jesus our Savior in carrying the cross to Mount Calvary. At this juncture, Simon of Cyrene, the father of the disciples Alexander and Rufus, Mark 15.21, happened to come along. He was called by his name because he was a native of Cyrene, a city of Libya, and had come to Jerusalem. This Simon was now forced by the Jews to carry the cross a part of the way. They themselves would not touch it, yea, would not even come near it, as being the instrument of punishment for one whom they held to be a notorious malefactor. By this pretended caution and avoidance of his cross, they sought to impress the people with a horror for Jesus. The Cyrenian took hold of the cross, and Jesus was made to follow between the two thieves, in order that all might believe him to be a criminal and malefactor like to them. 
The Virgin Mother walked very closely behind Jesus, as she had desired and asked from the Eternal Father. To his divine will she so conformed herself in all the labors and torments of her Son, that witnessing with her own eyes and partaking of all the sufferings of her Son, in her blessed soul and in her body, she never allowed any sentiment or wish to arise interiorly or exteriorly, which could be interpreted as regret for the sacrifice she had made in offering her Son for the death of the cross and its sufferings. Her charity and love of men and her grace and holiness were so great that she vanquished all these movements of her human nature. Instruction which the great queen and lady gave me. 661. I desire that the fruit of the obedience with which thou writest the history of my life shall be that thou become a true disciple of my most holy son and of myself. The main purpose of the exalted and venerable mysteries which are made known to thee, and of the teachings which I so often repeat to thee, is that thou deny and strip thyself, estranging thy heart from all affection to creatures, neither wishing to possess them nor accept them for other uses. By this precaution thou wilt overcome the impediments which the devils seek to place in the way of the dangerous softness of thy nature. I, who know thee, thus advise and lead thee by the way of instruction and correction as the mother and instructress. By thy divine teaching thou knowest the mysteries of the passion and death of Christ, and the one true way of life which is the cross. And thou knowest that not all who are called are chosen. Many there are who wish to follow Christ, and very few who truly dispose themselves to imitate him. For as soon as they feel the sufferings of the cross, they cast it aside. Laborious exertions are very painful and averse to human nature according to the flesh, and the fruits of the Spirit are more hidden and few guide themselves by the light. On this account there are so many among mortals who, forgetful of these eternal truths, seek the flesh and the continual indulgence of its pleasures. They ardently seek honors and fly from injuries. They strive after riches and condemn poverty. They long after pleasure and dread mortification. All these are enemies of the cross of Christ, and with dreadful aversion they fly from it, deeming it sheer ignominy, just like those who crucified Christ the Lord. 662. Another deceit has spread through the world. Many imagine that they are following Christ their master, though they neither suffer affliction nor engage in any exertion or labor. They are content with avoiding boldness and committing sins, and place all their perfection in a certain prudence or hollow self-love, which prevents them from denying anything to their will, and from practicing any virtues at the cost of their flesh. They would easily escape this deception if they would consider that my son was not only the Redeemer, but their teacher, and that he left in this world their treasures of his redemption, not only as a remedy against its eternal ruin, but as a necessary medicine for the sickness of sin and human nature. No one knew so much as my son and Lord. No one could better understand the quality of love than the divine Lord, who was in his wisdom and charity itself, and no one was more able to fulfill all his wishes. Nevertheless, although he well could do it, he chose not a life of softness and ease for the flesh, but one full of labors and pains, for he judged his instructions to be incomplete and insufficient to redeem man. If he failed to teach them how to overcome the demon, the flesh and their own self, he wished to inculcate that this magnificent victory is gained by the cross, by labors, penances, mortifications, and the acceptance of contempt, all of which are the trademarks and evidences of true love, and the special watchwords of the predestined. 663. 
Thou, my daughter, knowest the value of the Holy Cross and the honor which it confers upon ignominies and tribulations. Do thou embrace the cross and bear it with joy in imitation of my son and thy master. Matthew sixteen twenty four. In this mortal life, let thy glory be in tribulations and persecutions, contempt, infirmities, poverty, humiliation, and in whatever is painful and adverse to mortal flesh. And in order that in all thy exercises thou mayest imitate me and give me pleasure, I wish that thou seek no rest or consolation in any earthly thing. Thou must not dwell in my thoughts upon what thou bearest, nor seek to relieve thyself by enlisting the compassion of others. Much less must thou make much of or try to impress others with the recital of the persecutions or molestations of creatures. Nor should it ever be heard from thy lips how much thou endurest, nor shouldst thou compare thy sufferings with those of others. I do not wish to say that it is a sin to accept of some reasonable and moderate alleviation, or to mention thy afflictions. But in thee, my dearest, much alleviation, if not a sin, would be an infidelity to thy spouse and lord, for he has put thee personally under more obligation than many generations of men, and thy response in suffering and love will be defective and wanting, if it is not complete and loyal in all respects. So faithful does the Lord wish thy correspondence to be, that thou must allow thy weak nature not even one sigh for mere natural relief and consolation. If love alone impels thee, thou wilt allow thyself to be carried along by its sweet force and rest in it alone. And the love of the cross would immediately dispense with such natural relief, in the same way as thou knowest I have done in my total self-sacrifice. Let this be to thee a general rule, that all human consolation is an imperfection and a danger, and that thou shouldst welcome only that which the Most High sends to thee himself, or through his holy angels. And even these favors of the divine right hand thou must accept only, in so far as they strengthen thee to suffer more constantly, and to withdraw thee from all that ministers to the senses. This concludes our reading today for day number 257. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 21, paragraphs 657 to 663. You probably caught it, but what we have been reading over the last few days has been the way of the cross. We had that very powerful moment today in which the queen went by a by street in order that she might meet her son. And thus it came that both of them met face to face in sweetest recognition of each other and in mutual renewal of each other's interior sorrows. Yet they did not speak to one another. Really, there was no need to say words because the eyes meeting one another, their hearts being united, they knew what each other was thinking. Jesus knew Mary was trying to console him. Jesus trying to console his mother in this moment. In a sense, maybe communicating, remember, mother, remember what's supposed to be. My death brings forgiveness and salvation. We also had Jesus being helped by Simon of Cyrene. We heard of him having the women of Jerusalem and him addressing them. I don't recall us reading about Veronica in today's reading, which is peculiar, interesting that that was left out, but we have the way of the cross. And as we think about the passion of Jesus, may these descriptions that we hear always come to mind when we are meditating on the passion of Jesus.
Now, the instruction of Our Lady said, Another deceit has spread through the world. Many imagine that they are following Christ their Master, though they neither suffer affliction nor engage in any exertion or labor. So sometimes we can think we're falsely following Jesus. We think we're following him, but if our following Jesus doesn't do something for our lives, if it doesn't inconvenience us, if it doesn't make us examine something that we're doing, well, then we're probably not following Jesus to the best of our ability. Though they neither suffer affliction nor engage in any exertion or labor. This is something we must do. We must engage following the Lord so that we know that by what we say, by what we do, that we are following him. Then we're exhorted to embrace the cross and bear with it joy in imitation of my son and thy master. We think about the little crosses of our daily lives. Maybe that's something we begin praying in the morning. Jesus, help me to embrace whatever cross comes my way today. And in that way, we'll be able to put into practice this instruction of Our Lady to embrace the cross, to do so with joy. So maybe say, Jesus, help me to embrace my crosses today with joy, knowing that I am closer to you as a result. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.